You're listening to the Common Fan Podcast, a Husker football podcast for the common fan by the common fan. It's the Common Fan Podcast. I'm TJ. He's Matt. He's Jeff. There is no joy in Huskerville tonight, friends. Common fans from across the windswept plains and indeed from sea to shining sea are reaching out to us to share their frustration, their anger, their absolute disbelief at the Huskers once again snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. And rightly so. <laughs> sound effects. We have new sound effects, people. We're coming along. 21st century, baby. Oh, oh, we and we share we share your indignation, Husker Na- uh, Husker Nation, common fans. The black shirts hold Maryland to their lowest scoring performance of the season, 13 points. Gentlemen, that's less than Ohio State gave up to Maryland. That's less than Penn State gave up to Maryland. Uh, The Terps have had their issues as a team, but that's still the number two passing offense in the Big Ten, the number number three when it comes to total yards, and that's the number four scoring offense in the conference. And the Husker defense held them to their lowest scoring output of the season. They forced three turnovers. They made stops all day long. Not to be outdone, though, friends, the unbelievably inept Nebraska offense can only muster 10 points on the day. And they turned the ball over five times. They couldn't let Maryland be, you know, they, they couldn't just let the team let win. Let Maryland the- have their day. Let them have Maryland. their day. Why do we let have to Maryland do that have their today? day? <laughs> uh, and also, Maryland was committing penalties left and right. Yeah. Um, but no, we had to, we had to outdo them. We had to outdo them. Uh, and of course, there was the backbreaking interception in the end zone with under four minutes left when we when the Huskers were poised to take a fourth quarter lead. Uh, yes, the the Nebraska defense gave up the game winning field goal drive to end the game. I saw a little chatter on Twitter today, sort of saying how the defense caved at, at the last minute. We we here on this program will hear none of that no. bull junk tonight (laughs) that was a heroic performance by the defense this defense has been carrying water really carrying the entire team all season long this loss falls squarely at the feet of the offense and more to the point the 1.4 million dollar man offensive coordinator marcus satterfield and yes we love him but the head man matt rule bears plenty of responsibility as well We're going to dig into all of this and more tonight, common fans. First, make sure to follow the podcast on your streaming platform of choice. Give us a follow on Twitter at at CommonFanGBR. Find us on Instagram and Facebook and send us all your grievances to CommonFanGBR at gmail.com. Boys, Husker Nation collectively is in a glass case of emotion uh, tonight, really since since yesterday afternoon. How do we make sense of what we saw today? What in the name of, of 
Bob Devaney's fedora are we supposed to say about all of this? What are we even uh, doing here? I, what are we doing here? I, I don't know what we're doing here, TJ. I've, I can't watch this anymore. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I cannot watch an offense as inept as this. It makes me sick to my stomach every Saturday having to go through this. So I have some. You always take pictures of our little Zoom call here, and you always put it up on Instagram. So I, I've got something. That. Matt does that. Matt does that. I've got yeah. something for you here. Take a picture of this. Hold on one second. This is how you watch Husker offense from now on. If you want to endure the pain, you do this. Hold on. What is he doing? What is he doing, listeners? <laughs> I believe a, that's a paper he's bag. A paper, he's got a paper bag on his head. Paper bag. It needs What's eye holes. Yeah. <laughs> you need eye holes on it, Jeff. Geoff has put a paper bag over his head that appears to be how he plans to participate in the it said go big red. It said go big red. Oh, oh I didn't we didn't, oh, I didn't see, see that. We yeah. couldn't see that. That it's, was not that was not translating. I cannot watch it anymore just with my own two eyes. It is just abysmal. I can't stand it. It makes me sick. The defense gives I mean, me you hope. also you have a sensitive stomach, but anyway. I do. I really do. I mean, potluck yeah. dinners and Snickers bars and <laughs> Things like that, yeah, they make me a little bit sick. Um, runs of sandwiches, hot. Beef yeah, no, we know. Sorry, go back to your yeah, point. Sorry, yeah. I yeah, just yeah. I can't handle it anymore. And TJ, you're right. I I don't know what how to make sense of what we're seeing. It just doesn't make sense that you can shell out that much money to an offensive coordinator and have such poor, poor, poor results play out week after week after week. And it's it's there isn't any learning or evolution of the team it just yes, seems like if right. anything i think it gets worse like yes. they're so set in their ways and the way that they're doing things that they won't change and it's just it makes me sick i'm sorry it makes me sick don't, oh play, don't, play, don't, play, don't play the sound drop again play don't the sound drop again oh sorry there it is that's there it is that's my soul that, right that's, now. that's 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 the whole that's the whole show tonight yeah it is <laughs> And, and, you know, it's, I thought it was just extremely, extremely fitting with what Mr. Verzal talked about on the Michigan State recap pod about offensive coordinators and how, in his words, and I will 100% agree with him, that these offensive coordinators just want to show how big their brain is. And yep. Yep. it doesn't have to be that way. Football is yep. not, it doesn't have to be like this academic game like yeah analytics work sometimes but you know at the end of the day it's okay hey we got we're, we're tied up we got third and goal the defense has been playing their nuts off and why not just drop dial up your best run play and if that doesn't work kick the damn field goal and take yep. the lead and give your defense a chance to go out and win the game instead yep. you ruin it and give away any kind of momentum because we had momentum on our side. Yes, we did. So, TJ, yes, we you did. like after, to call after it, all that happened. Yeah, you like to call yeah. it Uncle Mo. We had Uncle Mo. Yep. And we Emmett ripped off that 29-yard run. And from the looks of things on the Peacock broadcast, which by the way was horrible, um <laughs> the crowd looked to just be getting real riled up and into that. Like it just looked like that brought people up, you know, onto their feet. And it kind of felt like everything had shifted. And here we go. Here's where we take the lead in the fourth quarter and put these bastards away and go bowling. And yeah. big brain Satterfield had to dial up. And they said it was rule said it was an RPO and 
or it was or it wasn't, I don't know, but Chaba basically made the decision to no. throw it. And I thought that was kind of, you know, not a real cool thing for him to basically throw Chubb under the bus. And again, I love Matt Rule. I love what yeah. he's doing. But you you put in your third string quarterback who's got don't, no, don't give him the option. Don't no the minutes exactly. the whole season. There should be an is, RPO is apparently is dinged up pretty bad to where it's going to require yeah. offseason surgery. On the and groin, then, no less. That's painful. Yeah. And any and he was a and he was a warrior out there that drive. Yeah, the absolutely. drive looked great, and I and I'm thinking it a lot to myself, of his, it was largely done by his legs. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking to myself, oh my god, is has this been the guy the whole time, and he's just been not getting to play. Yep. And then and then you, you and then you just screw it up at the end by dialing up that that play. And uh, I, th- I was thinking about today. We've talked about it more than once. Going back to the midseason review pod, even we talked about like simplifying this playbook. Dial back the menu, find some things that you're really good at and do those over and over. And instead, we're doing back shoulder throws on third and five. And we're, you know, we're doing all these like straight dropbacks with quarterbacks who are really athletic, but like they're not, they're not like, and and some look, uh, we're not X's and O's guys. We've said that many times, but I see it on Twitter. People pointed out guys are open on some of these, but the point is. Whether that whether it's a coaching thing or a personnel thing, that no one has shown the ability to execute consistently all year long, right? Mm-hmm. Not the quarterbacks. And I'm afraid, like, I think some of these young receivers have a ton of promise, but the receivers are not catching the ball regularly when it is thrown to them. So mm-hmm. not, you know, at this point, it should be getting to a bowl game at all costs, right? Yeah. And and tr- minimizing damage minimizing like i'm sorry play the iowa game for the last three games of the year now there's only two left but play the you know play defense execute on special teams get a few first downs punt and you know hope that you can that you can punch it in and and that's exactly the kind of game we played yesterday even with the turnovers and we're in a position to win it um and and then we're you know we're throwing. I what I read was that it was a corner route, which if that's if that was the called play, makes me even more angry. Yeah. Um, because you've got your you got your third team quarterback in because your your first team guy's hurt. Your second team guy who you handpicked out of the transfer portal uh, hasn't been able to to do the job. So you got your third team guy in who basically hasn't played all this year. Basically didn't play all of last year. He barely played. Make it simple on him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Give him yep. something he can succeed at, and again, he he deserves a lot of props for leading that drive down the field. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, it's just mind-boggling. We could be sitting at six and four right now, knowing that we're bowling, and yep. now and we got to go to Wisconsin. Go to Wisconsin, where we've never won since we've come since coming to the Big Ten, yep. and then you know, Wisconsin looks like they've got their own problems. Um, so who knows? Uh, you know, but and then we got to then you know, it very well could come down to Iowa, which is at home, but. As we've said many times, crazy stuff happens in that game. Even yeah. when even when it's not this season where Iowa and Nebraska have two of the worst offenses in the history of football. Um, and, uh, you know, Iowa plays really good defense and really good special teams. So that makes me nervous on its own. But even when, like, we're good and they're not or they're good and we're not, it's always a crazy close game. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this is why we've said more than once, we don't want it to come down. The, we don't want the to bowl game folks to come down to Iowa because you never no. know what's going to happen. Right. Makes but me sick. Well, 
when we're not going to write off the Wisconsin game. We'll, we'll, we'll no, get to all this. We'll get to all this. Go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead, Jeff. No, I was just going to say, does anybody else, this is a bad sign. And I don't remember having this feeling in the last few years, even when we were God awful, but whenever the ball is snapped and it's not a run play, the first thing I say is, Oh shit. Like yeah. if he starts going back to pass, I'm immediately just like, Oh shit. You got to hold your breath. You got to <laughs> yeah. hold your breath. That's yeah. not a good sign. No. Yeah. It was every, I, I saw it was every, we threw an interception every five pass attempts yesterday. Mm-hmm. An interception every five, every fifth pass wow. attempt was an interception. Yep. That's uh, I mean, it's incredible. That's unbelievable. So the only thing, yeah. I guess, what's the next question after that? And maybe we'll cover this later on, but where do you go QB wise going forward? Like, does it even matter? Does it, well, does it really matter? I, you know, I, I think I, I honest to God, I think, I, I'd go with Purdy. I would. And I, I don't know if it's, we didn't, again, the sample size is incredibly small from one, mm-hmm. like one drive that looked good until the last play of it. That was an interception, but yeah. that looked better than to me than anything we saw the whole game from, from, from Sims or, or Heine. Yeah. yeah. But well, I think I, the big, you know, Emmett Johnson ran for 84 yards, 4.9, yep. 4.9 yards yeah. of carry. The bigger thing is, hand the ball off, run the ball. Yeah. Like I know we've said, we've said in the long term, we want to bring playmakers in here. We want to be explosive for now. Just be Minnesota, yeah. be Iowa, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Like it's just not at us least now. Limit, at least limit turnovers, at least hold the ball, run the clock, keep the ball away from the, you know, <laughs> keep the defense off the field for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Try not to put them in a terrible spot. Uh, I mean, the only guys, the only two times we scored yesterday, we're on uh, the fumble that we, re- you know, we, we recovered the Maryland fumble. I think it was on like the 27 yard line. Mm-hmm. And then it was the Javen Wright interception, which is on the Maryland 30 something, which the offense, I don't think they even got a first down, but at least we were in field goal range. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so like both of our, both of our scoring drives were the result of opportunistic plays by the defense that put Absolutely. us in a field yeah. position, yep. you know? Yeah. yeah. The offense uh, didn't get us there. The defense did. So, right. And yeah. All right, we're going to get into a little game recap. Even with all of that, we're in a position to win the game at the end. Yeah. And as bad as the Big Ten West is, we can. it's still possible for us to win the Big Ten West. <laughs> Iowa would have to lose to Illinois, and we'd have to beat Iowa. But – I think I think that that would get us the Big Ten West Championship. Well, I think we got to beat Wisconsin too. Then there. Yeah, no, we got to win. Yeah. Out. We would have to win out, and I yeah. and I would have to lose out the next or lose the next two. Oh, let's I mean, not. Yeah, then look. Let's not be all doom and gloom here. Like we have two games left. Wisconsin is not near the Wisconsin of the last 15, 20 years. Iowa is whatever they are. Like there's like we can win one or both of those the, these games. In fact, guys, it was, it's such a Husker thing. Yes, by yesterday afternoon, like late afternoon, I'm thinking to myself, well, I was just I don't know. Like I was just going to say, I don't know. We could go into Madison and win that thing. I don't know. You know? I was going to say that by the end of the podcast, we will have talked ourselves into winning the West. That will happen. Uh, well, you know, I, Northwestern's I, 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 a, Northwestern's a second rate program, and they went into Madison and won. So why can't we do it? I think that's what's maddening to you guys. Point, is we see we see these things happen, and it feels like we're never taking part in one of those wins. No, we're not. We're not invited to the party. Right now, and isn't right. Illinois one one game away from going bowling too? I swear to God, if somehow they squeak their way into a bowl game and we don't, 
I I might have to end it all right here. I think <laughs> everyone everyone I think but Purdue is needs one more win, except for Iowa. Iowa's clinched a bowl game, yeah. but but there's like a there's like a five way tie for second, and everybody's everybody's five and five trying to get to a bowl game. All right. Well, good football there. We'll get to that. I'm sure we'll all be predicting wins over Wisconsin by the end. Of the whoever, pod whoever wins the Big Ten West is is the king of the dipshits. Really, is what it is. <laughs> all right. So in the early going, guys, you know, I when I looked back at it, I thought you know there was a lot of foreshadowing of what was to come in this game. So Maryland gets the ball to start the game, and the Husker deep like bends, but they don't break. So Maryland actually got got all the way to the Nebraska 31 yard line. Then we pushed them back to the point where we forced a punt. Right. I thought that was a win. I thought Maryland was kind of moving the ball early. Then we forced a punt. Uh, so the, the, here's the first Husker drive. And we're not going to go, we're not going to go every play by play here, but we took over at our own 13. The Huskers do. Uh, we get one first down a 10 yard Emmett Johnson run. Then Harburg throws an interception, <laughs> <laughs> but lucky us. Penalty on Maryland, defensive holding, and we get another first down. Drive still alive, okay? Then we run a couple of plays. It's third and five, and we do that stupid back shoulder pass to Alex Bull. Yes. Which- Barf. No, none of these quarterbacks need to be throwing back shoulder passes. No, no. And none of these receivers are catching a lot of back shoulder passes right now. It's like, it's just, again, not even criticizing these guys. It's just like, where we are as an offense right now, yes. we're severely limited. So play to what you have. Yeah, we're not good enough to pull that off yet. No. Simplicity. Right. So then on fourth and five, though, we run a beautiful fake punt mm. and it's successful and we get yeah. to midfield. And it's like, all right, this maybe this is just, I, you know, I, I honestly thought to myself, maybe this is going to be one of those days where things just go our way, you know? Yep. And two plays later, genius Satterfield dials up another throw and we throw a pick Maryland ball. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, and then like, just, I don't know. It takes a lot of, yeah, yeah, man. I, I feel just to let you know, listeners, you're going to hear that a lot today. I mean, we're, we're getting our hands around this technology thing. I'm really digging the, this. Yeah, the listeners oh, like, yeah, we already have it. <laughs> oh, yeah, we get it. You you learned technology. Good job. So I just it takes a lot of stones to go for a fake in in general, and yeah. it takes a lot of luck on the on the Maryland that. side of the field. Yes, and to also have it work out in your favor yeah. isn't very probable. And we do that, and we put it all on the line and convert that, and then yes, dipshit Satterfield gives it right back to him. I just oh, it's it's infuriating to me that we can that we make decisions like that. It just drives me nuts coming off of such a moment. That's a huge momentum swing right there. Yes. You, t you convert a fake punt and we still just toss it right back to him in two plays. It's just, it's disgusting, TJ. It's disgusting. It is. It really is. Um, and then we had a very big tennis, you know, trade off of punts. And um, there was that drive, actually Jeff Sims first drive. So his Sims comes in when, when Harburg gets hurt, his first drive was probably the best one. He looked good. Um, what did I wrote this down? Uh, you know, I think we had like seven runs to three passes. All three passes were like very short, high percentage throws. All three were completed. And it was kind of like, okay, that yes, good. This is the, this is what we should be doing. This looks right. 
and we got within field goal range. It sounded like we were facing the wind. It's which, which, you know, they were, you know, was a factor yesterday. That was the one where we went for it on fourth and two. I honestly didn't hate that. We just didn't get it. And we ran the ball right. and we just didn't get it. And so like, that is what it is. Um, Maryland goes down and scores after that uh, to go up seven, nothing. And we go into halftime down seven, nothing that honestly could have been worse, by the way, uh, that series at the end of the half, you know, Maryland was in field goal range. Uh, thankfully got pushed back due to penalty. Maryland had a lot of penalties yesterday, guys. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they did. Let me see if I can find this. They, I, what did I see? I should have written this down. I can't remember how many penalties for like 92 yards or something crazy like that. Like hmm. they were not making it easy on themselves. They kept gifting us things. Mm -hmm. um, and we just gifted them right back with many, many turnovers. Um. All right, so so we get the ball to start the second half, and we immediately go three and out. We have we have one one run for four yards, and then what do you know, guys? We go incomplete pass, incomplete pass. So, okay, fine. Uh, Is Satterfield part of the CFIC? Can I just float that out there? <laughs> I mean, there that's there's something weird about that play calling there. I, it's fishy. We don't have to go into it now, but there's something going on there. Nothing can be ruled out, Jeff. Okay. Um, but then you guys, then it starts to feel like things are turning our way. Mm -hmm. The next five drives go like this. Maryland fumble, Nebraska touchdown to tie the game at seven, seven. Then Maryland throws an interception. That was like a play or two later, right? When they got the ball back, then they throw that pick. Yeah. I think he had two turnovers. Uh, two had two turn or uh, Ty what is it? How do you say his last name again? Ty yeah. Yeah. I think he had two turnovers and four plays or something like that crazy yeah. just gifting um, us the yeah ball. right so yeah. then again we don't really move the ball very well but we at least we were in field goal range we kick the field goal we convert we're up 10-7 and then the terps put a drive together um they go down the field and on on the nebraska 17 yard line certainly in field goal range they go for it on fourth and one and we make the stop and that guys, especially at that point guys we had yeah, yeah. 10, 10 straight points we had gone Fumble recovery, yeah. interception, turnover on downs, and it was like, all right, like here we go. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna run away with this thing. We're like, it's just, it's just our day, right? Um, but no, but no. Why would we? Why would we make that easy on ourselves? Then we have the Jeff Sims fumble, which led to the Maryland field goal to tie it at 10-10. and then that was followed by we actually were putting a little drive together again when Jeff Sims threw an interception. And so, you know, we go back to this again, sort of big 10 slug fest back and forth where both teams are making stops and somehow, like we said, guys, somehow it's still tied 10, 10 late in the fourth quarter. And we have the ball mm -hmm. and even more sort of unbelievably improbably as we just kind of detailed Chubba Purdy, takes the ball at the Nebraska three yard line. And he takes it. He drives us all the way down to the Maryland uh, five yard line. Mm -hmm. and, and as we said, he did it mostly with his legs. Yeah. Um, hold on. Let me look at this. I want to say, let's see. This play started at the Nebraska three with nine fifty two left in the fourth quarter. We ran. I don't do math very well. Over six minutes off the clock. 
So on that, on that third and goal play where Chubba throws the interception, there's 337 left. You you can't ask for much more than that, guys. No. We mm-hmm. held the ball. We ran it effectively. You had that one big pass play on third and six to Billy Kemp for 24 yards. You know, despite the turnovers and everything that had happened up to that point, the crowd is rocking. It still still feels like this is going to be our day. <clears throat> and we, you know, we talked about just the aggravation of all of it at the beginning, but let's just, let's go over that final series of events. Okay. First and goal at the Maryland five, like, okay, here's like the big picture thinking guys, of course you want to get into the end zone. Of course you're thinking touchdown there, but more than anything, you need to be saying to yourself, we cannot turn the ball over. Right. We have to take the lead here. If that's a field goal, that's a field goal. Yeah. We need points. Period. Even, even like, for purposes of getting a touchdown, you have three downs to get five yards. Yep. Three downs to get five yards. You haven't thrown the ball well all day. And you don't like, you could have, they could have tried something like that, that, you know, that nifty fullback sweep thing that Janair and Bonner scored on yeah. for with our only touchdown. Yeah. You could have tried something like that, but just keep it on the ground, run the ball. Don't turn it over. You just have to get points here. Because worst case scenario, you get a field goal. No, worst case scenario, you throw an interception in the end zone. But you should be thinking that worst case scenario here, we get a field goal and we put it back in the defense's hands. The defense has been coming through for us all day. Let the defense win the game for you. What do we do instead? First, incomplete pass. Now, I will say, rule said on that incomplete pass, it was a called run. It wasn't even an RPO. And I don't know if Chubba got spooked or something, but he pulled it and then threw it out of bounds. So Mm -hmm. I don't really know what that was again, though. It's hard for me to blame the player. I get that. What he didn't run the play that was called, but you have a guy in who hasn't played at all. He's your third team quarterback. And he's in because he's in because the guy you handpicked from the transfer portal can't stop turning the ball over. Yes. No matter what, no matter how you look at it, it comes back to the coaches. But also I kind of, in that moment kind of praised him for getting rid of the ball and just throwing it out of bounds. Because we haven't seen a whole lot of that this year. Okay, I'm just going to get out of trouble and just throw this away where the only person that's going to catch it is the ball boy on the sideline. Right. Right. Are 100% correct. I thought the exact same thing that was like, he's got the presence of mind to just throw something away. Because again, try to force some dumb tight pass that has no chance. Right. Again, we're just, we just, we just at the very worst get three. Right, kick yep. the field goal. Yeah. So yeah, throw it out of bounds, and I was like, okay, great, live to fight another day. Great to see yes. that. that. That's mm-hmm. a great point. That's a great point. Um, all right, play number two. It's an Emma Johnson run up the middle. We lose two yards. Again, so what? No big yeah. deal. So then it's third and goal from the seven. Then it's probably a little less likely you're going to score with the running play, but we call it whatever whatever we called. RPO or corner route, whatever it was, um, that's where Chubba throws the pick in the end zone. Now, I, you know, I saw on Twitter, guys, it's really interesting. It looked like Malachi Coleman, who was so Billy Kemp was like breaking for the corner, mm-hmm. and Malachi Coleman was streaking in front of him. But it looked like he he actually could have just reached up, nabbed the ball, and walked into the end zone. But it looked like he intentionally got out of the way, which makes me think it was a corner route because he knew he wasn't the. Um, yeah. you know, the receiver. And I think rule mm-hmm. even said maybe after the game, 
you know, that's a corner out. It's either a touchdown or you throw it out of bounds and we kick the field goal. But that's where I just come back to like, I don't care what you think on paper. I don't care if guys are even open. No one's been executing this stuff all year. So why would, why would we think they're going to execute? What's the difference then? So you say either you throw it out of bounds or it's a touchdown, you kick a field goal. Uh, what's the difference between just running one straight up the middle? Then you don't get the first down. You right. kick a field goal. Yeah. So there's no difference there. Well, and also if it if it really was supposed to be a corner route, and again, I'm not, I don't want to blame Purdy because of the spot he was put in, but that's the worst corner route pass that I maybe have ever seen. <laughs> right. right. And yeah. if you and if you really and also like really it like kind of jumbled it, routes from both yeah um, Billy Kemp and from Coleman. Yeah, and you can't and you, and I'm not going to hate on Coleman either. He's a true freshman no, that's right. had had to start for us the last I don't know how many games because all the injuries. But I, I, he's got a ton of promise. I'm super excited about him. But if you really, really have to go big brain and and have something dialed up where there's a chance we're going to throw it, can, can't we just roll him out? Like I I don't remember where which hash we were on if we're in the middle of the field. But if you have to at least give him the option, okay, if nobody's open, just try to run it or get out of bounds. And yeah, save or, us or, or throw it into the 10th row, throw it into yeah. the 10th row. But no, it's again, like we're, we're thrown from the pocket. Like we, to me, an offensive coordinator has to know your personnel, know your limitations. Like think, think about like, you know, we've, we've had enough time in the workforce guys where, you know, you don't bring up a guy from the mail room to give the big sales presentation. You know, you know what everybody's skills are, you know, everybody's limitations, <laughs> right? Yeah. So you don't ask somebody to do something that they're not capable of, or they're not, maybe that's not, you know, there's a 25% chance that they, they haven't been back. executing it consistently. Right. Yeah. So why, like, I just don't get it. I, I, I put that squarely on Satterfield and, mm-hmm. and on rule too. Cause yeah, rule needs to rule, step in there. Rule has got to be like, Hey, no, let's run the ball. If we don't yes. get it, we're kicking the field goal. That's, yes. that's what it's gotta be. Honestly, not, I would so I would fragile. not have been angry. I would not have been angry on a quarterback sneak there that gets no yards and but just <laughs> right. does, but just does no harm. Sets right. it up for a nice straight easy field goal. Exactly. Stay in the middle yep. of the field. Exactly. Yep. Um 100%. That's what like I, Yeah. I'm with you Mattio too. Like I I didn't love and I don't if you I don't think he was throwing kids under the bus. And no. I, I will say I I do think Rule always has a lot more insight on the on the Monday press conference after he's had a chance to decompress yeah. and you come in right, you're coming right off the game and you haven't watched film and you haven't had a chance to like really process everything. So we'll see what he says uh, at the Monday press conference. Um, but that's just, that's just a bad look all the way around. It's an absolutely atrocious call by Satterfield. That I mean, that guy just deserves zero Satterfield deserves zero benefit of the doubt there. I guess yeah. that's the way to say it is rule rules earned a lot of, of trust from the fan base probably should have stepped in there. Um, probably a mistake by the head man there, but like Satterfield just deserves zero benefit of the doubt at this point. Right. Yep. And, and again, yeah. go ahead, Matt, go ahead. Matt. No, I just think you, you know, you, we always say the phrase on this program that, you know, we, uh, how does it go? Um, these guys have forgotten more about football than we'll ever know. Right. Right. But, yeah. but when you have, like almost every single text message I got after the game, including from my own father was that falls squarely on the offensive coordinator. Today was terrible play calling. We're we're not dumb enough to know that you can see that. And that's, that's like a, an eye test thing, right? Like Mm -hmm. any casual common fan can watch that game and go, 
why are they calling that they're not they're not the type of team that can do those types of things yes right? we are not capable of throwing back shoulder throws we should not I, be I, throwing I fade your... routes fade routes on third and five um to our walk-on receiver from Creighton Prep. Oh, I mean, love the kid. Love Creighton yeah. Prep. Well, I mean, I don't really love Creighton Prep, but, but great, right. great respect their program. But still, like, we can't be doing that stuff. No, and That's- and Maddie, I love your I love your phrase a few minutes ago. Like, if you have to go big brain, I think I think the first common fan T-shirt just needs to say, "Don't go big brain. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't ever go big brain. Yeah, yeah. No, don't you're, you? And we've seen this. I think that's what's so frustrating and why." Husker fans feel like so exasperated and like they just don't have any patience for this stuff because we've seen it again and again from these offensive coordinators who outthink themselves. Yes. Like, yes, you can scheme guys open and yes, it looks good on paper. And like, like I said, like you see guys open now on routes, but we're not showing that we can consistently execute it. So just scrap it, just scrap it and do do to help this team get to a bowl game. That's all we should be thinking about. Yes. Because I can't tell you how many times I saw a pass play where, I mean, there's some interceptions that weren't even freaking close, man. Like, it's not oh, like yeah. we weren't just missing guys. Like, we were literally throwing to the opponent like they were the receiver wide open. It was just – it wasn't even close. Right. They, and, there's this couple of those Maryland safeties look like they could not believe the ball was coming right yeah, to them. Right. They were just sh- – <laughs> I thought they were going to drop it because they couldn't believe it was coming to them. Like, oh, yeah. shit. But I will tell you one thing, though, and this is a true story. So my daughter, Janie, was watching the game with me, and we were sitting there on the couch, and – on that, that play when Chuba threw the interception, she just looked up to me and she's like, Dad, she's like, why would they throw a corner route like that when we're just running the ball so effectively? And she had like tears in her eyes. And I was like, honey, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and we both embraced and we shed a tear together. And I, I it was a very good moment for me and my family. That I, did not I, happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she didn't say anything about a quarter route or running the ball effectively. And then, I, and then she, I, I hope it went well for you. And then right yeah. after you they both finished crying and embracing, she, she asked you what the meaning of life was. Right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, that's, I, that's a great made up story though, Jeff. That was, yeah, that was a great, that was really you had me, you had me for like, three seconds on that yeah. <laughs> and then and then it was dude it was so like it was rather untimely that like like of course maryland like it was pro- that was one of the more like breakdown drives by the defense all year and of course the bulk of maryland's play i mean by the way that pass interference call uh i think it was our only penalty on the day yeah was that garbage it was that was that a bad call was that just me i thought it was a terrible call i, no, I you know what God, awful I, call God's honest truth. I was trying to watch it on my phone at my son's basketball game with really spotty connections. So yeah, so I have like to lean we, on you guys on that one. It was third and ten, so they don't make that call. They probably punt, and we probably have one more chance to go throw an interception in the end zone. If um, it's a penalty against us, it's always a bad call. I will hear nothing else of it. Okay, it was a terrible exactly call. Right. But, like, but regardless, is is the Big Ten officiating just the most god awful? Like it it's seems really bad. like, and we and, benefit and even, from it too. Sometimes right, like it's really, right. bad. And even, yeah. that's what I'm like, even if when it benefits us, I'm like, my God, that's a bad call. And just like the unnecessary reviews and overturning calls in the field that like, like, um, you know, I think back to the Purdue game where they overturned possession of the ball, like twice, like, I don't know how often I've ever seen that even happen once. Yeah. We're like, yeah, we're going to review to see who, who recovered the fumble. Like, I'm like, right. are you kidding? And then I don't know. It just, the Big Ten officiating is god awful. God awful. Somebody made this it point is that good on the social media at some point, but um, 
with all the money that's coming into the conference now, like they need to pay for better officiating. I don't know. Like, <laughs> pay the refs. May, I don't know. I, maybe that, oh. maybe all, maybe all the officials are terrible across college football, but like something needs to be done about it because like you're costing teams games. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, pay, with the pay, pay our teachers more and pay our officials more. Okay. <laughs> then we'll see what kind of work, what kind of jobs we can get done. The teachers are doing great, even though they're not getting paid any money. These refs are getting paychecks, even though they don't deserve a damn dime, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Or the other thing is pay the officials like teachers. There we yeah, go. There you go. And pay the teachers what we're paying the officials. There you go. There you go. We've solved the problem. We've solved society's ills. Just one but, more, but, you know, one more we, societal problem we're solving here on the Common Fan Podcast. Yeah, we're but, making but, waves but again, uh, changing the world one pot at a time. Like, I just, I would like, I would just hear none of, you know, that last drive. Well, the defense, like, like, Mm-mm. no, I won't. They, no, they, I will not they, tolerate they, any of defense that. Is, I will not tolerate any defensive slander whatsoever. No, they no, are immune no. to any What's, sort of criticism if, that anybody if, gives them. If they don't play how they did, with us having what five turnovers or whatever it was, my God, we should have lost by three or four touchdowns. Honestly, well, if they don't if they don't play <laughs> how they have they if they don't play how they have been all year, we have maybe two wins. Right, exactly. Yeah. Right, so that's that's just an easy one, you know. Um, hundred percent agree with you. All right, sorry, I just went back and looked. Uh. So we had one penalty against Maryland, zero penalties against Michigan State. So, wow, uh, we'll we'll drop in some doses of, of positivity here, common fans. A, a, a team that's been very terribly undisciplined for years here. Maybe we're turning a corner on that on that part. And that that one penalty against Maryland was, uh, uh, very questionable at best. So uh, at least we have that going for us. So guys, let's drill down on the one point four million dollar man here a little bit. We put out the tweet. Uh, yeah, the, the common fan board of directors actually was was wanting to want they wanted to get this out right away. Maybe they were caught up in, in some emotion. I don't know. But uh, the board was was adamant about getting this tweet out. We said that Satterfield needs to be fired yesterday. That's what the common fan uh, Twitter, <laughs> Twitter account said yesterday. So, you know, it's been over a day. You know, maybe this is a good time to pause, breathe a little bit. Let's offer at least this caveat. As you said, Matteo, we believe in Matt rule. OK. Yep. We love Coach Rule. We believe he's the right guy for the job, the right guy for the moment. We believe he's going to right the ship. And honestly, like you pretty much always have to give a lot of grace in any transition year. I think we're so sick of having to go through transition years mm-hmm. and so sick of, you know, feeling like Lucy with the football, where we think we're on the cusp of turning the corner and then having it pulled away from us. That we're a little bit of exhausted with this crap and we're sick of dealing with it. But transition years are very rarely perfect. Well, it wasn't Saban six and six or seven and five in his first year at Alabama. Yeah. I mean, it's very rarely smooth, especially after what Coach Rule inherited. Mm-hmm. He inherited a team that hasn't had a winning record since 2016. So we have to offer those caveats. And I'll go one step further and say, like, we're total homers, right? Like, we're common fans. Completely. Yes. We're like, we've convinced ourselves about every coach that everything's going to work every time. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 for yep. one, don't, I don't consider myself to be, you know, fire every coach, every time something goes wrong kind of guy. I think we've all learned Husker fans in particular, know that there's no guarantee about what comes next. When you start firing coaches, we thought we went and got the best defensive coordinator in all the land with Bob Diaco. And honestly, I believe you know, that was forced by Sean Eichhorst, but I believe it was the beginning of the end of the Mike Riley era. era. I mean, that yeah. was like that began the demise. And well, we all, we all, we all saw the strain. You, we, you saw the strain, right? 
that was beautiful. No, that was like perfect. That was perfect. Do you see the strain? <laughs> am I the, the only one? Am I the only one? <laughs> um, so like, you know, firing a coach doesn't always mean he's going to be replaced by something better, but God dang it guys. Like, you know, the top, the line of top gun, the commander stinger line. Like, this is how I feel about Satterfield right now. He needs to be flying a cargo plane full of rubber dog shit out of Hong Kong <laughs> immediately, immediately send him to Hong Kong and put him on a cargo. Yeah. Plane that's, of, that's what rule should have done after the game. He should have cornered, cornered him in like his office and be like, you screw up just this much. <laughs> and he already has. Yeah, yeah. He already has. <laughs> well, again, and the other, but like, I, I don't, I don't think we're that crazy with the way that the college football world is trending right now. I mean, A&M just fired Jimbo, right? And it's, isn't it a $75 million buyout or something like that? Like, oh, um, yeah. but now we've got the PAC 12 schools joining the big 10 and, you know, we're going to be in this mega conference. Time waits for no man. Like we can't just, I, we are in a position I feel like where we can't afford to sit back and wait for this guy to figure out how to call a game we can't yeah, right. wait kiss sit around and and nope. say well you know what this guy you know he's he's uh he's done this and that and he's called a few good plays and he adapted and he ran the option pass but we we can't just wait we can't say play the waiting game and say well you know once they get their recruits in there no that's that's terrible that's dog shit like we got we we were, what were we five and three dog shit. rubber dog shit. <laughs> we were five and three and honestly like I think all three of us were looking at this like, well, dang, we might we might actually get seven or eight wins this year. Yep. Like it yep. looked like it was possible, yep. and I feel like that that Satter, Satterfield more than any of the other guys on the staff have have failed the players and they failed us. Marcus yep. Satterfield. Yeah. Um, and, and you and in this in this day and age, like we're all about development. Nebraska needs to be a developmental program. You bring guys in, you build them up over several years. Yes, we can still get behind that. But in this day and age, with NIL and with the transfer portal, and say work. say say what you will about it being basically free agency, <laughs> that's a different yeah. conversation. Um, you can fix things faster than ever. Yes. Yeah. And so, like, you know. And you know what? He actually, like you said, Matt, I don't think we're crazy. Here's what Tom Chattel said in his post-game column. Quote, the offseason begs for an offensive summit by rule to select the best identity going forward and then supplement it with skill players from the portal starting at quarterback and then decide if he has the right offensive staff to go with it. Yeah. End quote. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. Yep. Chattel doesn't usually go go that that route either. No, um, no, it's pretty strong, bold words from from Tom. Um, no, I I think so, but like like we're saying, like it's just it's just this confluence of events or confluence of circumstances where the offense is absolutely atrocious, and and you know again, I don't care what injuries there've been, I don't care what they were planning on doing at the beginning of the year. You know, you're seeing you're seeing these other teams figure it out. Northwestern was picked to have like a win or two, and that was before the Pat Fitzgerald getting fired mess. And they're they just beat Wisconsin, and they're on the cusp of a bowl game. Good coaches figure it out. 
Yeah. And like, I just don't think I'm tired of giving the benefit of the doubt. Like we're, you know, we're done giving the benefit of the doubt. They should have figured something out uh, by now and they haven't done it. And, you know, it's just like you said, it's the world we're living in now. Maybe it's not fair, but you know, th- think about it this way, guys. Th- think about it this way. We, we, uh, just, just with a, a, a offense that was still below average, but just a little better than it is. Mm-hmm. We probably have at least one, two more games, maybe yeah. three. Yeah. Right. So look, I, I looked this up. Rutgers is ranked 87th in scoring offense. They're scoring 24 points a game, 24.1 points a game. And that's a conference foe. So somewhat, somewhat comparable, right. A conference uh, counterpart. Mm-hmm. So Nebraska is at 121st in the country with 18.9 points a game. So Rutgers is what that's better than five more. They're averaging, you know, over five more points a game than the Huskers. Um, so even at that level of offense, we would say this isn't good enough. This is this needs to be better. But right. that probably would get us two more wins. Yeah, yeah, oh, totally even, would. Give me, give me average. Give me like middle of the road, like sixty fifth or somewhere around there in the country, and we're probably we're probably at eight and two. Yeah, yeah, right. We're not yeah. asking for miracles here. We're asking for competence. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And this is right? this is totally like hypothetical and in. Um, you know, 50,000 foot view and looking back on things of how, of our, of our abuse that we've endured as Husker fans. Um, but Maddie Jr. asked me, we were, we were, we were driving home yesterday and he said, what do you think our record would be if we had Adrian Martinez at quarterback? And it's just a, such a weird, random 11 year old kid question. Sure. But I looked at him honestly square in the face and I said, we'd probably be eight and two or nine and one <laughs> if we had Adrian Martinez. Yeah. And I know that's like, okay, well, we, we, he completely graduated. He was a graduate transfer. Well, whatever. I don't care. Like, it's again, totally crazy hypothetical. But if we had a guy, if we had even a guy that not even as talented as Adrian, if we had a game manager who just handed it yes. off and yeah, only yeah. threw six yard outs to tight ends, much like Iowa does, because they know mm-hmm. what they are. I saw Dirk's tweet and he said the difference between Iowa and, and Nebraska, they both have terrible offenses. Iowa knows that their offense is terrible. And they yeah. they game plan according to that. Yeah, they, don't, they also they, don't, they also have outstanding. They also have like the best special teams in the country. So yeah, that's you know, that makes a difference. They do, but but exactly like and again though, Matt, like we could have a quarterback that at least you know these guys have been turnover machines, but at least the OC could be putting them in better positions mm-hmm. to throw those six yard outs and not you know run you know straight drop back five guys you know no no running back in the backfield guys running nine routes uh you know there's There's, no reason to be doing that right and in the past like right the past plays that they do run there's very little like routes in the flat or um intermediate passes right it's like um it's oh run it run it run it play action let's throw a bomb yep so i don't know um and check this out i uh, this is uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna cite on three here for the excellent work they have like a I don't think I call it an article kind of a chart showing starting with head coaches but showing the highest paid paid head coaches and assistants in the country. Where do you think Mr. Satterfield finds himself at 1.4 million dollars annually? Well, he's that's I'm gonna guess that's close like top ten ish. That is top ten ish. He is tied for seventh among all offensive coordinators in the country only six ocs make more than he does do you know where those guys coach matt 
Oh gosh. And Jeff? Um, I'm gonna guess Alabama. Check. Um, Ohio State, and then from there, yeah. I would I would really be yeah. searching. They coach at interestingly the highest paid offensive coordinator is two million dollars at at Washington at UW, uh, but then Alabama, Tommy Reese, Jeff, I don't I can't remember where he was before Jeff. Do you remember where he was? Oh, uh, I remember his University uh, of Fighting Irish. If I do remember correctly, yeah, Touchdown Tommy is what they used to yeah, call him, and he left, and he left. So um, Washington, Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, Kentucky, and Ohio State. Those offensive coordinators make more money than Marcus Satterfield. Then he is tied with two other guys for seventh among all offensive coordinators. And it shows. And I'm not always, look, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not always a big, like, okay, you know, like I'm kind of like the market, you get paid what the market says you're worth. Right. And yeah. like, you know, the, these jobs are, you know, jobs for assistants are unstable. They move around a lot. They work their way up. Um, college football brings in so much money. Like, I, you know, we don't need to get into like, nobody should be making that much money or whatever. I, I'm kind of a, like, let the market dictate it. That's where guys, that's what guys, guys have earned their, their spot at that right. point. But certainly for $1.4 million a year and being in the top 10, would it be too much to expect a top 50 offense, a top 60 offense, <laughs> like certainly top half of the country? Is that too much to ask for $1.4 million no, a year? No. And if we have that, we're bowl eligible already. Exactly. Exactly. Can we um, can we go, can we just real quick go over some of those Satterfield prior stat, prior uh jobs? Yes, yes. Thank you for reminding that we were, me that we were um sharing Matthew. with each other earlier. Yeah. And a common fan, fellow common fan, Trevor did a ton of research. Uh, thank you, Trevor, for sharing all this information. Just about awesome, Trevor. I, th- I think he was, I think he was uh, very upset this morning, like a lot of Husker fans. And he channeled <laughs> his anger in a productive fashion and dug up a bunch of stats on, on coach Satterfield. I don't even know if we're going to get to all of these, but thank you for sending these. Let's, see, let's hit the, at least hit the high points. I do think, the common cause... fan email address. I mean, I think the first one I would, and then Matteo, you can jump in, but the first thing that kind of jumps out to me is you look at just looking at South Carolina where, you know, Satterfield was the offensive coordinator in 2021 and 2022. Uh, they had 23 turnovers lost in 2021, 23 turnovers lost in 2022. Both, <laughs> excuse me, both of those put them at uh, interestingly, both, both of those seasons were at 116th in the country. That's out of 133. We're currently at, 22 turnovers lost already with two games to go uh, in 2023. That puts us at 128th in the country. Now, a lot of things going to turnovers, an offensive coordinator, you know, you can, you can drill things till you're blue in the face. If a guy's got the fumble bug, he's got the fumble bug or whatever. But when it's, when you see it this bad, this consistently, it at least suggests a pattern of, a guy not putting his players in the best positions to succeed and the best positions to limit damage. Yes. yes. No, absolutely. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> we haven't used it in a while. Hit it. <laughs> no, I think you, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a pattern. Right. We look, yep. we look for, when we look at, um, even if we're looking in what, at one season, we look for patterns. Um, if you see, if you see a, uh, an offensive coordinator for three straight years has been in the bottom 20 of all FBS teams for his offenses and turnovers given away, 
that's a pretty noticeable, interesting, damning pattern, right? So like I I saw that part the 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 South Carolina 21 2022 uh, turnovers, and and I guess I I didn't realize that unfortunately until like yesterday, but I'm like, why why did he get the job? And it's like and, and I and I hate to ask that because I trust Rule, but it's just another one of those things where these coaches trust a guy they've worked with him before they're hiring their buddy because they know what they're going to get and i and it's just for some guys it can just be really really uh it can be a problem um just because you trust a guy and you know what he's going to do and you know his philosophies doesn't mean it's going to work you know they're going to work this time um Mm -hmm. i just i i'm just at a loss another interesting thing is that along with being offensive coordinator satterfield's coaching the quarterbacks yeah which and didn't I, mean, I, I thought I read somewhere that he's he's given that up. Oh, has possibly, he? Well, there was I had seen some banter about that on Twitter um, about how we might be looking for a quarterback coach in the offseason. So oh, I think that's be because I think that's because they the people are saying they should take it away from him. Yeah. Let's Google this. Let's see what we got here. on huskers.com you know how google like pull out the just pull out like the sentence or two or three that are relevant to your search in addition to his work as a coordinator this is from huskers.com so a little bit of propaganda in addition to his work as coordinator satterfield has excelled as a quarterbacks coach a group he tutors at nebraska oh (laughs) (laughs) the word the word tutors too is like my you know, God. I got this tutor for my kid for his math class, and he's still failing. Tutor. Worst money ever spent. You know, what's interesting, too, is when he was at Temple in 2015, as this is another great bit of research from Trevor, uh, they moved Satterfield from quarterbacks coach to running backs coach. Huh. Uh, and then when, when Rule brought him back on staff at Baylor, he brought him as a tight end coach. So... You know, I, I don't, you know, we could probably go down this rabbit hole forever, but the, the short, the short story is that we got plenty of problems with the play calling as it is, but like if, if any position coach, if a position was playing as badly as the quarterbacks had been playing, the position coach would rightly come under the micro, microscope for that as too that as well. So yeah. they're just failing across the, he's failing across the board here. Ah. I feel like with all the research that you're, or pal did here like we need to be in like a dimly lit basement smoking cigarettes connecting like red lines like they see on uh detective movies like if you go here 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 and here it leads all to this right here so yeah, i think those would have to be like filterless like marlboro you know reds <laughs> right, or something yeah. jeff like Arm definitely cigarettes yeah yeah <laughs> we're not messing around here and we're not smoking menthols here in this no movie. no no we're not no nah. Uh, and look, guys, uh, you know, Maddie, you touched on it again. We love Matt Rule, and every coach deserves, you know, to have their transition year and and not expect to have it go perfect. But I mean, he had a seven plus million dollar pool for assistance. He went and got sat. We actually heard about it from South Carolina fans at the time, right? Yeah, we were exactly. saying, like, yeah they were like, you had, can have him. You can have he the ended, guy. He ended Good the year. Lord. He ended the year with two with two kind of high scoring games and. And, you know, two great performances from South Carolina, but, you know, that wasn't necessarily indicative of, of the record there. 
And Rule went and got him and still paid him $1.4 million. And, and like, you know, look at what Tony, another way to look at this is like, look at what Tony White's done with the defense in one year. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's an outstanding defense. They're, you know, top 25 nationally in total defense. Um, so like, I don't even like, I think it would be fair to say we, it wouldn't, we shouldn't even expect what Tony White's done. That wouldn't be fair to expect that they would be no. this good, this fast. Right. Tony yeah, White. But you look at it like it can be done. Yeah. Or, you know, and, and we're just not seeing that on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and so I, I mean, rule has to own some of this too. I think Chattel's point is spot on and Maddie, what you hit on is spot on. Like in this brave new world of college football, no, we don't want to get into a cycle of just firing, 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 because things aren't going well, but they better figure out, if, you know, again, I, I would lose no sleep if, you know, Marcus Satterfield was shoveling shit in Louisiana before the clock struck midnight on New Year's <laughs> Eve. All right. I would lose no sleep about that. No. If they're gonna, if they're gonna, if they're gonna stick with him, they got they have no identity. They're mixing in, you know, and no. some of this is due to the injuries and the and the attrition of players, but they're mixing in, you know, Tom Osborne option concepts with you know pro style other concepts. And like they need to figure out what their identity is. And rule needs to force the issue on some of this stuff, whether it's with Satterfield or with somebody else. Maybe they go get a Jake Pete's or a somebody to be the quarterback's coach. Maybe they go get somebody to supplement what Satterfield is doing and be a second set of eyes for this offense. I don't know what the answer is. We're not paid to, to decide what those answers are guys, but like, it can't just be, in my opinion, I'll be very anxious and very angry if the off season is just, well, we had a lot of injuries and we were figuring things out. And so, you know, we're going to run back it back, it. With, you know, we're going to run yeah. it back the same way in <laughs> yeah, 2024. Right. Yeah. No, they they Agreed. absolutely have to have to get a quarterback. Probably, in my opinion, even two quarterbacks in the portal this offseason. For yeah, sure, I think you have. I think you have to. If you don't, and you just run it back with Satterfield and the same guys that we have in the quarterback room, you're going to have a real tough time generating excitement for next season. You just are because mm-hmm. we'll be we'll all be excited for the defense, but there's that. There's going to be that that thing out there in the corner of oh my god our offense is still going to be terrible, yeah. Because um, you can't convince me that even with even without the injuries on the offensive line and the injuries at receiver and the injuries at running back, like even we get all those guys back, we had all those guys the first two games of the year. And we turned the <laughs> right. ball over like crazy, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, and the offense wasn't very good. Yeah, exactly. No. We um, got We have to get a new quarterback because they we have to have a playmaker first and foremost, because I noticed they took the Jeff Sims combo off the Amigos menu. And I'm (laughs) devastated right now. We, we have to have a playmaker to take up that, that, that mantle because I have to get a nice, affordable crispy burrito, soft shell taco, Mexi fries and a Mountain Dew for $8.99. Well, I mean, that just speaks to the savvy, the savvy marketing people over at, at Amigos Kings classic. (laughs) <laughs> to understand their place and realize that, hey, you know what? This guy hasn't started for a few weeks. Maybe this isn't what we thought it was going to be. Let's take the Jeff combo uh, off the menu. Let's Jeff's just <laughs> quiet, si- quietly just remove this. From now, it might still, it, maybe it could still be a secret menu item. So, Jeff, I'm going to put you on that. Kind of like uh, in and out. Okay. If you can, yeah, just kind of maybe walk <laughs> up and, do? and whisper. <laughs> Or, you know, if you're at the, you know, just kind of mumble under your breath or something at the drive-thru window. After they ask you what your name is and you give them a fictitious name, 
um then kind of say hey do you still have the uh the jeff sims combo? no i'm not even i'm not even gonna ask him i'm just gonna say it very matter of fact like yeah i'll, t- yeah, yeah, I'll take, take the jeff sims combo okay. <laughs> hey, we don't have that anymore Wait, hey, pause. No, i know you got it here don't when you when you did when you, you did it. order it did you ask specifically for the jeff sims combo meal absolutely i did <laughs> and I think I think you also like you need to do this through the drive-through so that you're outside so that you can light up yeah. a filterless cigarette while you're ordering it. Yeah. Just very calmly say, "I'll take the Jeff Sims combo." Yeah. Yeah. Will, and and when they deny me, I'm like, "Don't kid yourself. I know what's going on back there. Give me the Jeff Sims combo. I know I mean, you can make me the Jeff there. Sims combo." Oh my gosh. All right. Let's wrap it up here. Common fans. Let's try to finish on some high points guys. Okay. Mm. First and foremost, we can still get to a bowl game. Okay. Like crazy stuff has happened all year long. Wisconsin is at like, it's 15 year low. Iowa's Iowa. We can win one of these games. And if there's anything I believe about coach rule is that he's going to keep these guys dialed in, right? The defense is going to fight and slug for the last two games. The offense I don't know. I don't know what the answer there is, but they've got to, they, we can still do this. As we've said all year long, it, like it's fun to talk about winning the West. It was fun to think about getting to seven and eight wins. The mark Just of progress, the mark of progress is get to six, get to six mm-hmm. and six in a bowl game. And honestly, I mean, think about the, the difference in this, get to six and six in a bowl game and Husker nation is literally celebrating yeah, and probably yeah. traveling to the bowl game and dancing in the streets and everything we've said. Five and seven, and everybody's pissed off for eight months of an offseason. Yeah. Nine months of the offseason. That's nine months yeah. of the offseason because we won't be playing in December. Yeah. Um, so just you got to figure it out. I don't know. Find that last win, however you can do it. We can still get to a bowl game, and we, we on this program are going to believe that that's possible. The defense is still fantastic, guys. Number 17 yeah. nationally in total defense. Number four in the country in rushing defense. You know, they have a little bit of work to do on on the passing side of the ball. But as we've said, Tony White in year one, just unbelievable performance. They continue to carry the team. And then I know we're just really mad at the offense, but it's not the players. It's the $1.4 million man. There is some young talent on this offense, guys. I love watching Emmett Johnson run. I think that guy's going to be an impact player for years to come. But Tony is a beast. Hopefully the next offensive coordinator next year, if there is a new one, figure out, figures out how to get that guy the ball 10 to 15 times a game. And then these young wide receivers, um, Jalen Lloyd, Jaden Doss, Malachi Coleman, Coleman. These guys have speed. Yeah. They have talent. I think in the meantime, you probably could tr- address that with a couple portal additions in the off season as well. There is some young talent on offense. There's obviously holes. There's obviously problems, but you know, we're not going to be starting from zero in 2024 and no. hopefully they've learned a lot of lessons this year and we attack all these weaknesses and inefficiencies in the off season. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, that's the one thing I think we, we haven't touched on a ton is how young our team is on both sides of the ball. Yep. So that, that's, yeah. that's something to kind of, you know, where we should kind of sit back, relax, take a breath and realize We've got a lot of really good players that have gotten a lot of a lot of really good playing time this season, and that's going to pay dividends in the next two three years. Yeah. So that's that part's that's, that's exciting. Right. That's absolutely right. But I'll we can we can right. say that and then at the same time acknowledge that Marcus Satterfield should absolutely be be shoveling shit in Louisiana 
uh, <laughs> here by by New Year's Eve before the cargo plane. or flying a cargo plane. I don't know if he has his pilot's license. No, I don't think he has his pilot's license. Yeah, that's really <laughs> tough to get one of those. That's tough. I was going to say that his 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 coordination of the offense is like a somebody trying to fly a plane without a pilot's license. That's sort of what it feels like. So it kind of makes sense. Um, yeah. All right. You know what, guys? We haven't done corn cobs yet. Let's, yeah, let's do corn cobs and get out of here. Matty O, what do you got? I have for my corn cob, I think a guy that has played, I think, his best football uh, his entire career since he's been here. Ty Robinson um, played like a man possessed yesterday. Like, honestly, I was watching him like thinking like, like he's played really, really well the whole season. But yesterday I thought, man, is he like, is he going to leave after this year? So he's like trying to get some tape together for, <laughs> right. for Mel Kuyper Jr. Um, Cause that, that's, that's what it was like to me. Like this guy's playing out of his mind. Um, so Ty Robinson gets my corn cob and sidebar. Did you guys know that Mel Kuyper Jr. eats two to three pumpkin pies a week? Um, what? Fun fact. What? Google it. Two to that. three pumpkin, pumpkin pies, pies, not slices, entire pies, two to three pumpkin pies a week. He eats, he eats at least every day. What? If I yeah. was going to eat a pie every day, it wouldn't be pumpkin, but that's interesting. No, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. I don't yeah. mind pumpkin pie, but it's fine. I don't think I could eat it every day. I certainly could not eat it every day. No, that's a Thanksgiving thing, but yeah. wow, that's impressive. Yeah. Good for Google him. It. I, you know, I'm sure that won't, I'm sure that won't catch up to him. All right, uh, I'm gonna Jeff. You have the best one, so you're gonna go last. I'm gonna give mine to Javen Wright. Uh, look, he's been fantastic all year long. Just another guy that's that's finally getting his chance and finally flashing. Led the team in tackles yesterday and had the big time interception um, that really felt like a game changing moment. Should have been a game changing moment. Uh, so great work, Javen Wright. You get my corn cob, Jeffrey. Very good. Uh, well. I know there's a lot of us out there and I'm one of them. You guys are all one of them, but I'm going to give the corn cob to our fan base for just yes. having to deal with this nonsense, hot um, garbage. And an example of our fan base, I think would be, I'm sure there's a lot of these people in the stadium yesterday and we've seen them. We've sat with them. There's always like that. Like, I guess we're middle-aged now, I guess is what you call it. But there's like, those dudes in like their sixties that are there with their wives and they're just pissed off the whole time. And they're just <laughs> doing the thing like, Oh, come on. Damn it. <laughs> what are we doing? Oh, uh, why did we call that? Yeah. There's a lot of those people out there. And I just want you to know that I'm giving you the corn cob because I'm slowly becoming one of you where I can't stomach <laughs> this stuff. And it takes a lot of gall and a lot of teeth gritting and a lot of holding your vomit back to sit through these games and you're still doing it. We're going to have people that are going to travel to Wisconsin. Our fans are going to travel. Uh, no to doubt. Go, no doubt. And they're going to be great and about no. that. You bet yeah, your Matt, ass. Matty O will be there. Matty O yes. will be there. I will yeah. be there. there. Boots we're on the gonna, ground, boys. We're going to be at yeah. the Iowa game. So kudos to you, Husker fan, for gritting this out. I still think we're going bowling. I, I, I'm i optimistic, but you know, you get the corn cob for dealing with this for as long as we have. So Corn cob to, to Corn cob to the sick, demented Husker fans that we are well, that's right. putting wouldn't, up with this week in and week way. out. Exactly. We don't. And we no. aren't going. We and we aren't going anywhere. We have really, no. truly sick and demented. But you know and what? It's, and it's wonderful it's, and beautiful. It's you know exactly. a, a really good buddy buddy of ours. Uh, when I remember this was this was probably fifteen years ago, 
I think it was during the Callahan era. I was, I was walking to the game and our buddy's dad just happened to run into him. And we were in the midst of one of our trademark over the last 20 years, trademark just downfalls. <laughs> and we're walking to the game and everybody's just kind of like, oh, whatever. And I, and I said, well, what do you think? And he said, win or lose, they're my guys. And I never forgot <laughs> it. Win or lose, they're my guys. Now, can we complain and, and you know, have our gripes and bitch about the coaching and all that stuff? Absolutely we can, but they're still our guys. As yeah, long maybe. as they're as long as they're wearing the scarlet and cream and 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 playing football on Saturdays, I'm gonna be there, guys. Or I'm gonna be watching on yeah. TV. Hope to God that's, not Peacock again, but I'll be watching. That's right. <laughs> Listen, we'll all stick together through all kinds of weather unless Marcus Satterfield isn't shoveling shit in Louisiana by the time the <laughs> clock strikes yeah. midnight on New Year's Eve. Or flying hey, can I, can I throw something out there? Um, as as TJ just mentioned, I am going to Madison. Okay. I have a favor to ask of the common fans. I am taking my 11-year-old son and my 7-year-old son. The 11-year-old, I'm not worried about. The 7-year-old, we'll see. But um, for any of our common fans that have been to Madtown, sh- on Twitter, Instagram, email, shoot us, shoot me some recommendations, could you? Um, where a place, maybe somewhere I could, somewhere local to Madison, I could take my my boys on Friday evening or for some, a nice breakfast spot uh, in Madtown on, on Saturday morning. Um, would appreciate it. Mattio, whatever you do, man, every place you go, get cheese curds. Oh yeah, Absolutely. we were planning on that. We yeah, yeah, I, do. I, I can't, I like, I can't believe it took me. I, the first, like, I think I was first time I went to a Nebraska game in Madison. I was maybe thirty-two or thirty-four, but I just remember thinking to myself, I can't believe it took me this many years to discover cheese curds because yeah. this, this is the greatest thing in, in life. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was the one thing where we're like, yeah, well, we're gonna get some cheese curds for sure. But yeah. uh, I'll reach yeah, out. To I'm me. open, open to all suggestions. I'll reach out to Jim Rome for you. He's got his uh, connection. He's got a he's got a home out there in Eagle River. So oh, we'll, find, we'll get some good stuff for you. Rome slice. <laughs> All right, common fans. Thanks for hanging with us tonight, boys. We're gonna get one more win. We're gonna go bowling. We're gonna dance in the streets. We've got it in us. It's got to happen. They've got to figure a way. Uh, anyway, we'll end on that note. Thank you so much, common fans. GBR, as always. GBR for life.